We meet today in Psalm 67 to 69. Psalm 67 is a blessing and praise for the millennium. It is one of the shortest prophetic psalms with only seven stanzas. This psalm reveals the ultimate and final desire and purpose of God for this earth. Psalm 67 looks beyond this age to the kingdom age. During the millennial kingdom, you will see a converted world, a renovated world, a world in which God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. The case will be removed and we will be able to sing songs of praise. Let us now summarize several interesting aspects of this psalm. Very interesting to note that bless us is used three times in this psalm. Praise you is repeated four times. There are three persons or groups that are mentioned. One, God is referred to 15 times and the Trinity is here. The nation of Israel, which is the us, is mentioned six times. Then the nations or the heathens are mentioned nine times, and that means foreigners, different peoples and races, different strata of society where you and I fit in. Now notice how this psalm begins. Be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Psalm 67 verse 1. Well, this verse now is a reference to the great threefold Trinitarian blessing that God gave the nation of Israel even when he prepared them for the wilderness march. That blessing is found in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24 to 26 which says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. As we have noted before, some of the teachers of Israel actually refer to the face of God as the Messiah. And this is the Messiah that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. So here we have the threefold blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The conclusion to this blessing is actually found in Psalm 6, verse 27, which says, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. You see, this ironic blessing will be fulfilled not during this time, but in the millennium. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Psalm 67 verse 2. You see, there will be no blessing for the earth until Israel is actually back in the land. And I do not mean as they are today, but in that day when the Lord puts them back in the land and he will be the one sitting on David's throne. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. 
Psalm 67, verse 3 and 4. Now, this is the marvelous promise that God gave to Abraham. He said, I will make you a blessing to all the people in Genesis 12, verse 1 to verse 3. At his first coming, the Lord Jesus made it very clear that salvation was for the Jews. At his second coming, the earth will be converted. For Isaiah says, I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations, to Tashish and Paul and Lud, who draw the bow, and Tabal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. This we get from Isaiah 66 verse 19. You see, the day is coming, my friend, when the world will be converted. And that is when these words will become true. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Psalm 67 verse 5. Now, what is the goal of God? What is he moving history into? Where is he going? Romans 11 verse 25 makes it very clear. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. For how long? Well, it is until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That is important to keep in mind, my friend. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. Psalm 67, verse 6. You see, the case of sin will be removed from the earth. And then, you see, we see the earth shall yield her increase. And God will bless Israel. What is the primary objective and purpose of missions? Well, it is true that missions should result in the saving of souls. But that is not the primary purpose. We are to get the word of God out to the people around the globe, around the world. Yes, while this is true, it is not the primary motive of missions. It is close, but honestly, I do not think that is quite it. Let me again quote verse 5 and 7 together. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. That means reverential trust in God. Now, so what is the final goal of missions? Let all the peoples praise you. The chief end of missions is to glorify God. That is the engine that is to pull the train of every mission program and on every Christian enterprise. The whole purpose is to glorify God. When everyone is praising him, you see, the knowledge of God and the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. Not just filling the earth, but as the waters cover the sea. The Westminster Confession states it clearly. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is the purpose of man on earth, my friend. Man is to glorify God. We glorify him when we get his word out. We glorify him when we preach the gospel. We glorify him when people are saved. But the purpose is to glorify God. Are you glorifying God? 
Are you living your life so that people who see you and see everything you do will praise your Father in heaven? This leads us to move on to Psalm 68. And this psalm is a song of deliverance that ushers into the kingdom. It is a psalm of deliverance and victory. Whereas we saw the kingdom in Psalm 67, here and now we see the king in his glory and strength. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hurt him flee before him. 68 verse 1. You see, this is a reference to Numbers 10 verse 35. Each day when Israel was ready to begin the wilderness march, Moses would say, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. Now, what a wonderful way to begin the day's march. That's how they started the day, whenever they were to march to the next destination. As the pillar of fire would tell them, or as the pillar of cloud would lead them. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. Psalm 68 verse 4. You see, you have this statement, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Here again we see that man is to glorify God, and God is moving towards that day when the whole earth will glorify him. Men don't glorify God today. They take his name in vain. May God save us from a generation that blasphemes God or even his name. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Psalm 68 verse 13. Well, Deborah used the Hebrew word sheepfolds in her prophetic song in Judges chapter 5 verse 16. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the peepings for the flocks? Now you will see that this was addressed to Reuben because Reuben did not go out to battle. Evidently, in both passages, the word is used to describe an indifferent, an inactive, and a selfish condition. In this psalm, it seems to have the same meaning. Israel was undecided and inactive. You will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver. The dove was a sacrificial bird, and it is a type of Christ. Though they be negligent, Though they are not moved by enthusiasm, yet the sacrifice of Christ will cover them anyway. Profound truths coming from the word of God. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Psalm 68 verse 18. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven after his death, I think he did two things. First, he took with him to heaven all those saints of the past who were in paradise. God had saved them on credit up to that time. But our Lord paid the redemptive price for them when he died on the cross. He took them, referring to the spirits of just men made perfect. 
He took them straight into the presence of God. But the second thing that God did is that he gave gifts to men on the earth so that today he carries on his work through those whom he has given those gifts. Every person who is in the body of Christ has a gift. Not all have the same gift of cause, but everyone has a gift. As you can see, this is a marvelous scripture that tells us, You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. But God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring back from the depths of the sea. Psalm 68, 21 to 22. Well, these verses speak of a glorious victory, and that victory is actually for the future. The one referred to as the hairy scalp is the Antichrist. In spite of what the Antichrist will try to do, he will fail. God will bring his people from even the depths of the sea. This speaks of the restoration of Israel. There is little Benjamin, their leader, the princes of Judah and their company, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. Psalm 68 verse 27. Now again, these verses are talking about the children of Israel. It does not mean anything else. But notice that the little Benjamin actually has a great God. Don't just concentrate on that word little. It's a little tribe but has a great God. O oh God, you who are awesome than your holy places, the God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. Psalm 68 verse 35. You see, we also are very little, but we have the same great God, and he gives us strength and power that we need. Blessed be God. My friend, you may be little, or someone might even have despised your stature, but uh, the secret to self-confidence, the secret to a positive understanding of your future is to know that you have a great God. We move on to Psalm chapter 69. Psalm chapter 69 talks of the silent years, actually, in the life of Jesus Christ. This again is a great messianic psalm. It is another psalm of David. And it is unique because it deals with the silent years in the life of the Lord Jesus. It is called also a lily psalm because the Lord Jesus is the lily of the valley as well as the rose of Sharon. Blossoming in the shades of hell, he is altogether lovely. You see, next to Psalm 22, it is the most quoted psalm in the whole New Testament. For Psalm 22 deals with the death of Christ, Psalm 69 deals with the life of Christ. It is also quoted in the Gospels of John, in Romans, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts of the Apostles. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Psalm 69 verse 1. You see, the Lord's physical suffering on the cross was bad enough. 
but I think some of the things he suffered in his life on earth were almost unbearable. During our Lord's last three hours on the cross, he became the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. It was then that he was made sin for us. I sink in deep mer, where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Psalm 69 verse 2. You see, these are the floods of suffering which started when the Lord was born in a stable, which was probably part of an inn. Now we go to Nazareth where he was brought up. We are told, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Psalm 69 verse 3. You see, during those 30 years, there were times when his eyes were red with weeping. The next verse tells us why he actually wept, which is verse 4. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongly. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Well, this verse is quoted actually in John 15 verse 25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. The Lord quoted this verse and applied it to himself. The enemies of the Lord hated him without a cause. That is, there was no justification for their hatred. Romans 3 verse 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, being justified freely is the same as being justified without a cause. The Lord did not find any merit in me. He justified me without a cause within me. Oh, that is such consolation, my friend. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel, because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. Psalm 69 verse 6 to verse 7. You see here, there are two reasons he is bearing all this. They hated him because of who he was, the same way the sinner hates the righteous person today. Secondly, he came to take a lowly, humble place on the earth, and for that reason, they hurted him. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Psalm 69 verse 8. Well, Mary had other children uh, besides Jesus, which confirms the record in the Gospels. Perhaps one of her boys, Judas and Joseph said to her, Mother, we heard somebody down the street talking, and they said that Jesus is not really our brother. They said that nobody knows who his father really is. Well, that must have hurt the Lord. And this is why he says, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Not how it reads, a stranger to my mother's children, not to his father's children, because Joseph was not his father. 
He was an alien because they were half-brothers and half-sisters. You see, this verse actually teaches the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. The seeming understanding is that when he would fast or weep, his brothers would ridicule him for fasting and weeping. They would tell him that he was just putting on an act. And maybe you even understand why he would tell his disciples to say, a prophet has no honor but in his own hometown. I have also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Do you know what that proverb was? Well, the byword that came is that the word had circulated around that Jesus was an illegitimate child. That was the byword. You know that people would call him that even today. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. Psalm 69, verse 12. It's very interesting here. The Lord said, I am the song of the drunkards. The drunkards at the local bar made up deadly true stories about him and his mother. This was his life in Nazareth. It was not nice. Do you know why he endured all of this? He was raised in a town where he was called illegitimate in order that I might be a legitimate child of God. I might be a legitimate son of God. My friend, you have no notion what he endured for 30 years in order that you might have a clear title as a legitimate son of God. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O God, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercy, Hear me in the truth of your salvation. Psalm 69 verse 13. You see the gospel records tell us that the Lord Jesus prayed. But this psalm tells us what he prayed. Listen to him praying. Psalm 69 verse 14 to 19 says, Deliver me out of the mirror and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hurt me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow upon me, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Tend to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily, draw near to my soul, and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies." You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. You see, we see his distress here, but also his assurance of deliverance is very evident. Not just the deliverance, but even his victory. Neither the deep nor the pit could hold him. He was saved out of them because God is faithful to his word. The next two verses tell us of our Lord's dark hours right there on the cross. 
Reproach has broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Psalm 69 verse 20 and 21. This psalm actually ends with a glorious song of praise. I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 69 verse 30. You see, the first time the Lord Jesus came to the earth, he came in humiliation. He is coming back to the earth not in humiliation again, but he comes back in exaltation. Those on earth will be the redeemed ones. They are the ones who will be on this earth. And the only ones who will be in heaven are the redeemed people of God. My friend, there are just two kinds of people in this world today. They are the lost people and the saved people, redeemed sinners and unredeemed sinners. You can distinguish quite easily which group you are in. Are you a saved person? Are you an unsaved person? Are you a redeemed sinner or an unredeemed sinner? Choose today. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.